Listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there Girl Trouble with Nico Loves Rock and Roll, a song about Nico Case from Tacoma, Washington, by a band from Tacoma, Washington. 
Girl Trouble. And this was a song about Nico Case, the singer Nico Case, before she moved to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, joined the band Mao, formed a band Mao, and then moved on to her solo career. This was about Nico Case go-go dancing for the band Girl Trouble. Nico Case, of course, moved to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, entered in the shindig battle of bands, hosted by CITR, and won the Shindig Battle of the Bands, got some recording time, recorded a CD, after that recorded a CD, The Virginian, and next thing you know, she's on the David Letterman Show. She's on the Jay Leno Show. So yes, CITR can transform you into a star. Shindig, a presentation of CITR 101.9 FM. One of the many things that CITR does, because you're wondering, what sort of results? Well, I think that's pretty amazing. I'm just blown away every time I see somebody that maybe I even know that's on one of these TV shows. When I saw Biff Naked (laughs) on the Jay Leno show, even that was exciting, like Jay Leno having Biff Naked. But to see Nico Case on the Jay Leno show, a couple Jay Leno shows, and a couple Conan, and a couple Dave Letterman shows, and to think that she went through CITR's shindig battle of the bands is just incredible. Thank you, Nico Case, for making it that far. And thank you, CITR, for putting on the shindig battle of the bands. You, the listeners of CITR, can help contribute, as you know right now, by listening to CITR. We're having our annual fund drive by phoning 822 8648. That's UBC unit and contributing to CITR radio. Right now, we're just under $12,000. So if any of you would like to contribute about like, say, a hundred bucks, let's say 101.9 during my show, the Nardwater Human Serviette Radio Show, you'll help push it over the 12,000 level. Plus, you'll get some stuff from me, Nardwarty Human Serviette, and you'll also get a CITR t-shirt and a CITR friends card if you can donate. CITR is a great place to meet people. You can join CITR. You can hang around here. When I was hanging around CITR, I saw one day that Jello Biafra was getting interviewed. I think it was by Bill Mullen, and this was in 1989. Oh my gosh, 20 years ago. I wasn't allowed to interview Jello on air because it wasn't my show, but as soon as Jello went in the hall, I encounter Jello Biafra. And there began a relationship of me, Nardwarty Human Serviette, interviewing Jello Biafra. And over the years, Jello Biafra has been on the Nardwarty Human Serviette radio show many times. In fact, he's even introduced me. At first, he wasn't really susceptible to doing too many interviews. But towards the end of the decade, I was meeting people. That was uh, <clears throat> the 1990s. I was meeting people that Jello knew. He was introducing me to new sounds, like he introduced me to Wesley Willis, and then I was able to come to CITR and play a cassette of Wesley Willis before anybody had heard of Wesley Willis in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Thank you, Jello. Where did I meet Jello? Right here at CITR Radio, just like I met Nico Case through CITR Radio. 822-8648. UBC Unit. 
to donate. And again, as I mentioned, if you can just donate 101.90 during the Nardwadi Human Serviette Radio Show, we'll throw in some Razor Cake fanzines that I contribute to, a CITR Friends card, and you'll have the benefit of contributing to CITR and getting a CITR t-shirt. That's 604 UBC unit. So Jello introduced me to all sorts of sounds and all sorts of people. And one person that he introduced me to was Buzz from the band The Melvins, who rechristened themselves The Jelvins when backing up Jello Biafra, who has a brand new CD out right now. Here right now is an interview that I had with Jello Biafra and The Melvins, The Jelvins, when they last came to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And after that, I'm going to be talking to A.O. Chapman, the former promotions director of CITR Radio, who now plays in the band The Town Pants, who are playing Booza Palooza tonight. So today on an Ardwardy Human Serviette Radio show, Jello Biafra, The Jelvins, The Melvins, and A.O. Chapman, former CITR promotions manager and also member of The Town Pants, playing tonight at the Commodore Ballroom. So here again is an interview with the Jelvins done at the Croatian Cultural Center. That's Jello Biafra with the Melvins. And if you can, take the time to phone in and donate. It would be most appreciated. 604-822-8648. That's UBC unit. And then we can push it over the 12,000 mark and we can help guarantee that in the future we'll be able to keep putting on stuff like Shindig and we'll be able to keep having a station where people like myself can run into people like Jello by Afra. Check, check. Hello, hello. Is this broadcasting? Check, check, bro- check. How do you do? Check, check, check. Is this broadcasting all over Canada? Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> check, check, check. The north? The, the north? The Nanook of the north. Way up. Check, check, check. I've seen check, it. Check, movie. check. Are we rolling already, Mr. Cameraman? Prince, are we okay? Check, check, check. Check, 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 check. Who are you? I am Jello Biafra, and you're not. Jello, who'd you have beside you? I have, uh... Roger Taylor of Queen. Yes, but I would like to be known as Ron in the Box. A.K.A. King Buzzo of the... But today I want to be Ron in the Box. <laughs> also known as King Buzzo of the Jelvins. Well, yeah, yeah. Buzz, what is your name in the Jelvins, in Jello with the Melvins? What is your name? I can't remember. <laughs> we, we rotate them around. I think I made him Kim Jong Buzzo the last time, and he was... Uh... I was happy about it. Well, yeah, I think he was Jean Benet Milosevic on the first album. I figure everybody already knows who we are, so we might as well keep rotating the names. Hey, so. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You bitches are doing an interview with Nardwar and he didn't tell me? <laughs> and who are you? He, he said not to tell you. <sighs> it's, because I, it's because I told him he looked like Naughty Holder. And who are you? <laughs> who the hell are you? I and you are Dale. I am Dale. I'm, he's, I'm, Bill, Dale he's, he's Billy Ray Cyrus of Altamont. <laughs> also playing with the Jelvins. Also yeah. playing with the Jelvins. So it's really exciting. I hear you guys are covering Wesley Willis. Boy, news travels that. fast, doesn't it? Yeah. Don't tell anybody. Well, because because Wesley did so many used so many of the same keyboard programs for different songs, we're going to play an entire set of Wesley songs, but never have to learn more than one song, except for me, where I uh, I know enough of those Wesley lyrics. It's like remembering all the Cheech and Chong dialogue when I was in middle school. Dave's or not something. here, man. <laughs> what do you think here, about man. playing Wesley Willis? I'm into it. What Wesley well, Willis songs are you guys doing? We're doing Rock and Roll McDonald's. Was that hard to learn, Buzz? Uh, it has its perks. Because it's pretty hard to cover Wesley Willis cello. 
Well, I, I've been trying to gain to uh, rise to the occasion, but uh, Check it I out. have a ways to go. Check it out. See, things are good in America. See? <laughs> We're eating good down here. Buzz, uh, Jello apparently has been taking off his shirt. Yeah. Yeah. It's like staring into the sun. <laughs> when was the last time you took off your shirt, Jello by Alfred? This hasn't happened a lot, has it? Um, I actually took it off today before I put this one on. In the privacy of where I'm staying, of course. But how about on stage? Have you seen Jello without his shirt, Dale, when you're back behind the drums? I have, and he's threatened to do a nude, nude show. show. I a dread, nude show. I dread the day. A new Jello by Afro show? Oh, there's been a few of those. None of them were planned, but... Uh, how, many only... was, how many of them have spoken word shows? <laughs> None a nude, yet. A but... nude spoken word show, that's the one. Well, I mean, when I interviewed Nina Hartley in a bookstore in Philadelphia for uh, Free Speech TV during the Republican convention, she was doing an in-store nude. Yeah, but doesn't she do everything nude? <laughs> On stage, Jello, you've been dressed up quite before. nicely wearing like, a Confederate shirt. I've seen you in a Confederate shirt. Have I seen me in a Confederate shirt? You were in D.C. Yeah, but he couldn't have seen it in D.C., and that's the only time I think I've ever worn a Confederate shirt. I saw a picture of you wearing it in D.C. Ah. How do you the get internet. all this the stuff? Internet. There's this thing the called, internet. There's the this internet. thing, Jello, that you don't know about called the internet. Yeah. Uh, I know why you don't like it, because Al Gore... Al Gore invented it. Al Gore invented it. Yeah, that is a major turnoff, <laughs> although a bigger one is all these people who treat it as a little small-town gossip spy network or... I feel like I'm living in one big panopticon in cyberspace, and I don't even have a computer. People know all these things about me, but you know, some of them are actually true. Some of them aren't, though. Jelly, you were dressed up. What do Buzz and Dale dress up as? Um, Creeps. you'll have to see. Creeps. Because <laughs> you're wearing skirts. I've seen some skirts on Long stage. Skirts. Actually, we like to call them moo-moos. Not me. I can't drum in a dress. Who else is in the Jelvins? There's one other gentleman in the Jelvins, isn't there? Or two other gentlemen. One, one, one other one tonight. His name is Sir David Scott Stone, and he's a freak from Los Angeles. You also we, were... We've occasionally had Adam Jones as well, who's... Another uh, freak from Los Angeles. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> from Tool. Right, yeah, Tool, yeah. Yeah, right now he's tooling for a new album with his other fellow freaks from Los Angeles in that main project of his. Last night, Jello, did you shoot some mayonnaise into the audience? Uh, it was actually was? mayonnaise mixed with cheese, made in Japan. A woman from the uh, oh Iron Composer series gave me that because uh, she couldn't get me crack brand crackers on my birthday. So uh, she gave me that, but I don't really like mayonnaise, so I decided to uh, squirt it all over everybody. How did the audience take to that buzz? I didn't even notice. Did you notice anything, Dale? I noticed there was one kid that just stood there with a big splotch of it at his face. <laughs> Pretty funny. The whole show? The whole show? It was the whole show. <laughs> it's not going to hurt you. Don't panic. It's organic. Jello by Afro in the Jelvins. That's a great slogan. That's right. I don't, don't think panic, it's even it's true with that stuff. It was too weird a color to be organic. Well, don't panic. It's inorganic. <laughs> Jello by Afro in the Jelvins. You guys have a song called Yuppie. Uh, yeah, Yuppie Cadillac. Yuppie Cadillac. Now, is it true, Jello, years ago that you somehow wangled a free budget rent-a-car in a dead Kennedy's, speaking of Cadillacs? That was before a commercial sponsorship smelled as bad as it did today with Blitzkrieg oh. Bop and oh. Iggy Songz. The truth comes out. The, the truth comes out. Uh -huh. Basically, budget rent-a-car in England, and England only, offered to uh, give us some free rent-a-car if we'd plug them somehow. So there was a dead Kennedy song about 
called The Prey from about a, a mugging of a tourist from the mugger's point of view. So in the lyric sheet, after the guy reached for his keys right before he got jumped, we put the budget rent-a-car keys, and sure enough, we got the car. Or I got the car later when I was over there on my uh, honeymoon way back when I was actually married. And the, But the downside of it was I had to drive in London on the left side of the road where they drive really, really fast and uh, I kept turning into the wrong lanes and uh, as Wesley would put it, it was a hail ride. Jello Biafra, here you are in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, singing with the Jelvins. Can I call the band the Jelvins, Buzz and Dale? That's up to them. A lot of other people have. <laughs> Fine with me. What do you think about alternate singers for the Jelvins? Because you, Buzz, and you, Dale, almost made me an alternate singer for the Jelvins. We, we, we didn't almost make you. You were. <laughs> you put me on the spot. What happened, Jello? You were supposed to show up at an in-store at Electric Heavyland in Seattle. You didn't show up, so what happened? So you were there, and it took us 20 minutes to talk you into doing it. While we stood on stage waiting... I had to do the song, I Am the Owl. Oh, that would have been worth seeing. Well, I should sure. have got up a little earlier. Well, actually, I didn't do it because I was frightened and I didn't know any of the lyrics, so I just got everybody to jump up and down. Well, that not knowing any job. of the words hasn't stopped any of the scab hoes who sing in the fake Dead Kennedys. Now has it. They never learned the words either. <laughs> Ba-boom! <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. That was just like a punchline, yeah, an like, exclamation that's like, mark. That's like, booyah! <laughs> With the Jelvins, you guys have played many interesting locations, like that in-store at Electric Heavyland. Well, Jello, we didn't make it there, but the did you play a church in Philadelphia? A church? We did, yeah. I can't quite figure it out. There were literally kids smoking pot in the church. <laughs> now, how DIY was the church? Was it like a corporate sort of place, or was it a really an underground church? Uh, it was less DIY than we thought. Actually, they had their shit together. It was okay. It was fun. It was good. There was no cross in the it church, was, though. It was a Unitarian church, which is a more activist uh, branch that, it, that should never be associated with a religious right. I'd done shows in the upstairs where the actual church is before, with everybody sitting in the pews for my, one of my spoken word shows, where I actually got to play They Threw Me Out of Church by Wesley Willis over a church PA in a church before I went on. But the punk shows, which the uh, Unitarian people feel is community outreach for... Uh, kids on the street and all that um, they go on in the basement however the basement Lots of stuff goes on in the basement <laughs> however the basement was not very well ventilated to put it mildly so it was kind of like playing in hell Buzz, with the Melvins, do you always have the same members in the Melvins? Don't you sometimes trick the crowd into thinking that security guards are in the Melvins? Could you explain we have, we that? Have, we have done that in the past, yes. One time we were playing with Tool in Portland, Oregon. Uh, uh, we dressed up our bass player in a security guard's outfit and sent him out about 20 minutes before we played into the, into the, uh, the, the I don't know what it would be, the orchestra pit. pit. The orchestra pit, but it's behind the barrier. He was out there yelling at people and screaming, and then we went on stage like half an hour later, and uh, I said, our bass player's sick. Does anybody know how to play bass? And he raises his hand, and we brought him on stage, and we played the show. And it was really funny, on the internet, some kids said, yeah, their bass player was sick, and the security guard played, played and he did pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and then the drummer yelled at him, don't quit your day job. They're really mean to that guy. <laughs> he did a good job. Yeah, he did a great job. weird. What are you complaining about? But 
Buzz and Dale, you guys have been rocking out for a long time. You're originally from Aberdeen, Washington. Now, yeah. from Aberdeen, we got the Barbara. Melvins, Metal Church, Nirvana, the drummer from Pansy Division. Oh, sorry, the bass player from Pansy Division, Chris Freeman. Who else is that. from Aberdeen? He's from Aberdeen? Yes, he is. Chris Freeman from Pansy Division is from Aberdeen. I think you once told me, is there like a Doobie Brother from there Aberdeen? There's there a Doobie Brother from Aberdeen. I can't remember which one it is. So Kurt Cobain, the Melvins, Metal Church, all from Aberdeen with the Doobie Brother. Yeah, that's true. What do you want me to I, I, I have no excuse. Well, it kind of all comes around tonight, because tonight you guys are playing with... Dwa. DOA and Annie <laughs> Kidd. And is it true one of the first punk gigs you brought Kurt Cobain to see was DOA, Buzz? No, the first punk gig he saw was Black Flag. Oh, I thought it was DOA. Canadian uh, connection. No, no, Black Flag. Do you ever remember from DOA back in the day? Because like you're playing with DOA tonight as the Jelvins. Do you remember DOA in Aberdeen or anything like that? Any early punk oh, gigs? Yeah, I saw DOA. My very first gig with the Melvins was with DOA. Opening, opening for DOA. And where was that? And what do you remember about it? And how is it going to compare to tonight? It was at the Tropicana, and I don't remember much about it at all because I was stone, wasted out of my mind. mind. I do remember DOA playing "Live to Party," <laughs> "Live to Party." I think that was Let's Wreck the Party, oh, wasn't it? it? Well, I think know, it was Live to Party. Back then it was Live to Party, <laughs> Live to Party. But it has stuck in your mind for like 20 odd years, so that's a really successful tune then. 21 years. Yeah, but so is a lot of commercials. <laughs> <laughs> Jello, what have Buzz and Dale taught you? What have they taught me? Like, what have you learned? <laughs> <laughs> Among other things, never to do interviews with them, especially if you're in the room. <laughs> well, what do you mean? And what have you learned from Jello Biafra? Let's think. That uh, it's okay to wear clothes that make, make it to where everybody has to wear sunglasses to look at you. <laughs> Hi-oh! <laughs> Booyah! <laughs> Jello, have you told them all about the Stampeders or Canadian rock? You love the Stampeders, don't you? They're not a huge favorite, no. I've but, never heard of them. Uh, <laughs> Please explain. Song, oh, what a feeling, what a rush. That was them? I think so. I think somebody else did that, too, actually. I'm not sure. I just thought they were really funny because they had this huge feather on the guy and these really goofy-ass outfits and stuff. But, um, you know, they, they just they, they do not compare to Les Classelles or César and the Romans, or however you pronounce that in French, or uh, some of the really high-quality bands that came later, like The Government. From Toronto, Ontario. Here's what I learned. Hemingway killed <laughs> disco music. Oh, yeah. And so did... Oh, God, I can't remember the rest of the words. I remember flat tire better. But uh, now I know I remember what I learned from the Melvins. You may be tired of hearing me retell this story you told me, but I have to tell it again anyway. No, um, there, there's a, eventually, I think, Research or V-Search is going to put out a volume two of that book, Pranks. And one of the things that has to go in is the one they told me about. A farm kid in the Aberdeen area um, brought a still born calf into town and left it in a women's bathroom stall in McDonald's. In the toilet. <laughs> How is that for prank? Of course, one cop car screeches to a halt, then another, then another. Everybody watches. That's, not, that's good. as good as Paul Mavridi's of Anarchy Comics, which is in the last prank's book, taking a big old motorcycle lock and padlocking the doors shut at an evangelist gathering in Arkansas and locking everyone inside. Jello Biafra, are Dale and Buzz aware of Iron Composer? Oh, yeah, Jello's told me of Iron Composer. What is Iron Composer, Buzz? It's incredible. Uh, 
It involves some of the mayonnaise was shot into the audience last night. Yeah, I heard him saying that, but I don't know anything about it. Iron Composer. It's like Iron Chef, except it's Iron Composer. It's Jello Biafra versus Wayne Kramer. Iron Composer. Who do you think would win that battle? Jello. I did win in the end, amazingly. Jello um, hasn't been to prison. That's the difference. <laughs> <laughs> no, no we, we, had, we had a great time. It was a... Uh, it was Booyah! a... <laughs> it's like Iron Chef, where you have to write a song on the spot with all these people trying to interfere with you oh, by yeah, beating, yeah, you, told me. By yeah, beating you, you up yeah. in the middle of pillow fights. There's a roller derby queen fight in front of you. People all trying to act like you, trying to interview me while I'm trying to write this song. And I'm not a guitar player or anything, so I've, luckily they had somebody where I sang the parts to him, and he figured them out, even though everybody is yelling at me and everything, and the song actually came out pretty good. It was, a, it was a riff that if we had more time and learned more songs, I put real lyrics to it, it might have wound up on the uh, one of the two Jelvins albums, but maybe, maybe next time. Jello Biafra and Dale and Buzz off the Jelvins, you guys have a new song called Those Dumb Punk Kids. We'll buy anything. And it mentions the band The Miss... Fart fits. The misfits in it. Uh, now, guess what? We found out recently <laughs> that Glenn Danzig has been mad at us for years because we stole one of his T-shirt designs that he stole from somebody else. <laughs> so, so, so it's somebody, somebody ripped, ripped off the stuff that I ripped off. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the first time. The misfits skull is from an old movie. That's what I mean. That's remember, what I'm I remember they, they were running around claiming they were going to beat the crap out of me back in the day because they said I stole Halloween from them. They invented Halloween. Yeah, Susie and the Banshees song didn't, and the half Japanese song didn't. No, no, and the, no, 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 they the, didn't. No. The Carpenter films didn't, but I did. It was just, you did it. it. They it, invented it. Was, it. It was kind of it was kind of kind of scary because I have seen some real violence surrounding that that group of people. Those so. are big steroid pumped up prison looking guys. Have you played with them at all? Have the Me? No, Melvins and Danzig ever mixed it up? No, no, no. no. Not about the misfits? No, no, nothing? Nope. But I'd be into it because Danzig look like, looks like he's a bottom. <laughs> Explain! Hey, hey, you might run into him at a comic book convention yeah. in L.A. I have seen him at comic book conventions in L.A. thumbing through Archie comics. I saw <laughs> What's wrong with that? That's good! I there's anything wrong with it. I, I, I do hope it was the Christian Archie <laughs> comics. Wait a, minute, wait, I didn't minute, wait a minute, I saw him at Amoeba buying... Elvis records. <laughs> Who'd have th- who thunk it? <laughs> Jello Biafra, you were the MC for Operation Ceasefire. That, that was a great big demonstration and later concert on September 24th in D.C. The organizers expected 100,000 people, but 300,000 showed up, giving the finger to Bush as they went by the White House. Of course, the corporate media and Fox News said it was only 20,000, and the counter-protesters outnumbered them, but even the Washington Post estimated the number of counter-protesters at 200. Apparently, Al Sharpton was there, and you talked to Al Sharpton. Jello and Al Sharpton buzz. That sounds good. Do you get a lot of those celebs out at the Melvin's, Jelvin's uh, gigs? Never anybody as cool as Al Sharpton. What was it like <laughs> meeting Al Sharpton? You were spotted talking to Al Sharpton. I don't know by who, because I didn't actually talk to him. It oh, was, you could have made it. It was a wild <laughs> backstage, and it was it was weird. It was like, oh, there's Ian McKay. Oh, there's Gee. Oh, there's Joan Baez. There's Cindy Sheehan. There's Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton. Although I, I did yank Cornell West out of the out of the guest tent to make sure he saw the bell raise, and he fell in love with Lisa immediately. How about Joan Baez or Steve Earle? 
Um, the, the, Joan was kind of emotional for me because I heard a lot of her music when I was a small child before I got into rock and then respected her for standing up to Nixon in the Vietnam War in the late 60s. And she even did the Joe Hill song at the protest. It was, it was also interesting seeing her white-haired fans trying to make sense of the punk rock bands that came on before she did. There was no interaction with Reverend Al Sharpton at all? Uh, no. None. You were holding some sign notice said, make pizza, not war. What about love? Does Jello like love on the road at all? As far as I know. <laughs> I mean, there, 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 was, there was a kid in the crowd holding up a sign that said, Dick Cheney kills kittens. I thought that was the best part. Then we got to do one more question, then we got to run. Winding up here, Buzz and Dale. Just lastly, a little Melvin's tidbit. I think it's amazing. The Melvins, one of the heaviest bands in the world. Right, Jello? Well, we're getting there. <laughs> you played a gig with Shadowy Men on a Shadowy Planet, one of the lightest bands. I love that. Shadowy Men versus the Melvins. Well, it was, it, was, it was more of a teaming of sorts. That was outdoors in Olympia, Olympia, Washington. How did you know about that? It was part of the International Pop Underground in 1991. Were you there? No, I no, wasn't there. No, I wasn't there. I was in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Doing what? I was recovering from the Fugazi gig I organized a week before where I had to buy $800 worth Don't of portable lie, toilets. No. They wouldn't let you cross the border, would they? No, they let me cross the border, no problem. With 800 toilets? No, I had to spend $800 on portable toilets for the gig to happen. Because oh, a cop said he had me buy the balls. And if I didn't buy those $800 worth of portable toilets, the gig wouldn't go on. And I bought the toilets, but then nobody used them. You, nobody used you them. bought them or you rented them? Well, for that basic, amount of money, you should have been the owner of them, and then you could sell them off to somebody else. Actually, too bad eBay wasn't around back then. Yeah, that would have been amazing. Lot. Yeah, I think those portable toilets are going for a lot on eBay now. <laughs> so, Jelvin's... Ian McKay sat here. Ian McKay shat here. <laughs> Winding up here, oh, yeah. Jelvin's. Oh, yeah. What sort of hecklers come out to a Jelvin's gig? I heard some hecklers were yelling, Nader, Nader. I didn't notice. I didn't hear that one either. I just keep the guitar cranked up and they don't notice. I, don't, I, I can't hear a thing. But, I mean, in all seriousness, Buzz, Jello Biafra here. What can you tell the people last year about Jello Biafra, the PRMC? I mean, this is serious. Jello yeah. versus the PRMC. Yeah. Where would NWA be without it? Really? Yeah, totally. In they what way? Able, they wouldn't have been able to sell a single record. If it wasn't for Jello getting under pressured from exactly. the PRMC? Setting a precedent, may, making it possible. I guess what I mean by that is what have you learned from working with Jello Biafra? Mm. <laughs> We're having a blast. It's good. What have I learned from working with me? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know. Be, be, because I'm a composer but a non-musician of sorts, it's like it's great when these songs that have been in my head for a long time to hear them actually played and actually come out really good. I mean, that's that's one of the best feelings I ever have. And then they came out pretty good. I think both the albums we did, Never Breathe What You Can't See, and then the newer one, Sig Howdy, I, I can actually crank them at home and enjoy them even though I'm on them. And they're longer songs too, Jello. They're longer than some of the songs that maybe Jello fans are used to, I guess, except for your spoken word, eh? <laughs> well, they, I, I mean, people who listen <laughs> to Time to Melt or Full Metal Jack Off over and over again are going to be disappointed at how short these are. But, uh, but CDs are longer. You know, you can get more on it. So you can have longer songs. I mean, do you feel Jello jealous that Jello did some rapping on a rap album? Didn't you rap with K rapper Cage? What? Uh, that was just, yeah, that was, a, that was a collaboration by Mail where I overdubbed some stuff for him, yeah. Jello did some rapping. Do you feel jealous? Like, do you think the next Jelvin's collaboration can have some uh, rapping? I'm not into it, personally. <laughs>
Ohio. Booyah! Last question. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? Why should people care about Jell-O and the Melvins and Sea Gaudi? Why not? Because it's good. All right. Well, thanks so much, Jelvins. Keep on rocking in the free world and do 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 do. Quack quack. Booyah! Booyah! Hi oh. <laughs> Great. Classic. still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. That was Jello Biafra and the Gitmo School of Medicine, brand new from Jello Biafra with new feudalism. And before that, an interview with Jello Biafra and the Melvins, the Jelvins, today on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show, Fun Drive 2008. And nine edition. We are still waiting for your call at 
844-822-8648. That's 604-UBC-UNIT. If you would like to donate to CITR, and hopefully you would like to donate to CITR, because CITR can bring you all sorts of interesting things. In fact, it can also bring you knowledge if you actually join CITR and help out with the running of CITR, like this gentleman here. Hello, caller. Are you there? Hello, Nardwar. Who are you? My name is Aaron Chapman. Aaron Chapman, how do you play in with CITR and CITR Fund Drive 2009? What's your CITR association there, Aaron Chapman, from the Town Pants, playing tonight at Booza Palooza at the Commodore Ballroom? I could not have said that language if it wasn't for CITR, right? In other words, there's nothing offensive there. Well, maybe saying the word Booza Palooza because you're keeping that word alive, aren't you? The Lollapalooza name. It's a tribute to Alcoholapalooza. But 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 what's the CITR connection? When I was at UBC in the the mid-90s going to school, when I was at film school at UBC, I I jumped in at CITR. I was a shy kid and I went up to the office there and checked it out, and everybody was really nice. And I eventually, I actually ended up being the uh, the promotions director. I think the next year that I was there at CITR yeah, Radio. Yeah, that would have been like '95, I guess. Let's go, Jesus, forever again now. Holy cow! And anyway, s- and through CITR, it helped expand your musical career, right there, A.O. Chapman. You got it. You got it. I met actually met a lot. I met a lot of people like uh, that, and a lot of people that are still like working in the music scene in Vancouver, like from from CITR connections, and people that I would meet that then would come to CITR and vice versa, you know? And you still have that CITR flavor. Like, you're asking people to donate to come to a gig tonight, aren't you, in a way? <laughs> you like, could don't, say that. To don't, could you tell the people what's happening tonight? You're tonight? Asking, you're asking people not to donate to CITR necessarily, but to donate, do to, donate to you. But people should maybe do both. Do both. Do both if you can. Give early, give often. Tonight, it's back to what uh, local music always used to be at the Commodore back in the good old days. And uh, and the good old days really weren't in that long ago. We're just talking like uh, maybe 10, 15 years ago. But when things changed in the city and the, a lot of good bands died out and, and the scene got smaller, especially when some venues closed, there wasn't you didn't see local music at the Commodore that often anymore. So we're kind of bringing it back. There was an event that Mark Manhattan and the Valentinos put on years ago called Alcoholapalooza, and that must have been 90, 91, maybe 92. I think maybe 92, actually. So it's kind of a little nod, tip of the hat to Mark, and, and also bringing uh, lo- good local bands back into the ballroom. And who's playing tonight? And that's at the Commodore Ballroom. That's at the Commodore Ballroom tonight. It's the great Rich Hope. Uh, Rich Hope and his evildoers are up first. And then Run GMC. Uh, and then the Town Pants. Three great local bands and Night of Roots Rock. Roots Rock Rebel is back again at the Commodore. So <laughs> donate to... Alcohol Palooza, Booza Palooza tonight, the Commodore Barm. But if you can, phone in to CITR right now, yes. 604 822 8648 to donate to CITR Radio, Aaron Chapman. That's right. Get we are involved. about $11,000 or so, and we got to make it to 12000 And if we just have a couple, well, we're actually 11800 almost or something like yep. that. So basically, just like a couple hundred bucks if you phone in and donate to CITR, we'll make it to 12000 And CITR, I was telling the listeners, is an important thing in the sense you get to meet people because they just come into the station. Like, you came into CITR, Aaron Chapman, and you told me about 
William Cooper, the teachings of this guy, William Cooper. But what's interesting, without going into depth about William Cooper, and there's lots to go in depth about William Cooper, you brought in something that had been Xerox. This is interesting. Can you tell the people about that? This William Cooper was a uh, kind of a conspiracy theorist in the United States. He's dead now. I think he was shot by U.S. Marshals, if I remember the story correctly. But at the time, he had said that he had been privy to a UFO uh, UFO crash where a, a uh, an alien had been recovered from the crash. It's all very Roswell, it's familiar stuff. But the aliens had then contacted the U.S. government to get uh, into getting. Then they got in contact. They met. Uh, a, a group of the United States uh, dignitaries met with the aliens, and they sh- they had a time machine, and they went back and showed them the crucifixion. And he had all the. It, it sounds crazy, but he had a, he had a startling amount of evidence, uh, and it was a it was like something I'd never seen before. And this was a photocopy that this was pre-internet days, kitties, but and before you had to get on the internet just by calling a phone and then putting it on an acoustic coupler. This is old school, back when like these little documents used to fly around. Cooper ended up doing a radio show, I think in New Mexico uh, or Arizona for a few years uh, afterwards. And then he was, uh, I believe he was shot by, by state police or U.S. And we interviewed him too, because you brought by these documents. Next thing you know, I met Ron from Cat's Game, Rest yeah. in Peace. We did an interview, you can check out at nardwar.com. But basically all this time, because I met Ron through CITR Radio, and I met you, and Ron had a personal contact with Lynn Cooper. And I met you, A.O. Chapman, and you brought in these documents. Like, if you hadn't been to CITR, I would have never explored and learned about the teachings of William Cooper. And people can learn more about William Cooper. Keep the William Cooper memory alive by phoning (laughs) in right now, 604-822-8648. That's U-B-C-C-I-T-R, if you could, please. And help us. If you do donate 101.9, you will actually get a CITR t-shirt, a Razor Cape fanzine that I'm throwing in and a CITR friends card and just the satisfaction in knowing that you're helping get out there some alternative thoughts and giving a place for people like me and A.O. Chapman to you go and it. interview people and again you can donate tonight if you go to A.O. Chapman's gig at the Commodore Ballroom in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. You play A.O. in the town pants. Is there still a fiddle player in the band? Because I went to your website and I clicked on the fiddle player's image and there was no bio that popped oh, up. Oh really? Oh that must be some glitch in the no, there is a fiddle player. There's a fiddle player playing tonight. Uh, they got a new album out, and uh, Kyle from the Dreadnoughts is uh, playing fiddle on the record, but uh, he is out of town right now, so our pal Ivanka Watkin is playing fiddle tonight. Because it was a girl pictured on the website. Yeah, that's a girl. It's a, girl. It's a, girl. It's a young lass playing tonight. So is she right. still in the band? Yes, yeah, she is. Because she's been in, a land for a, been in a band for a long time, hasn't she? Uh, yeah, well, this, uh, yeah, she has, yeah. Now, speaking of interesting things about the Town Pants, your band, A.O. Chapman, former CITR promotions member, today here in the occasion of the CITR Fun Drive, you are going on tour now, and this seems really sort of interesting. I looked at your tour dates. You are playing, ba-boom, the Corning Museum of Glass. (laughs) That's where they make the space shuttle tiles. Did you know that? No, I didn't. That's where they make the space shuttle tiles. Yeah, I can't. it's, it's, uh, it's in upstate New York. So when you look at your tour schedule provided to you by Feldman, and you see you're playing the Corning Museum of Glass, I think that's pretty amazing. But others may kind of wonder what is going on there. How do you end up playing the Corning Museum of Glass? Well, it's weird because they have the museum and they have all like the 
you know, decorative glass things on one sort of side of the building. Then the other, they've got this 5,000-person auditorium, and it's kind of a company town. So when they put on these shows, and there's a bunch of other people that have come through there, some, uh, some jazz folks that have come through there. It's actually a well-known upstate New York uh, as strange as it may sound, because it's weird. Yeah, you walk out this door and through a hallway, and on the other end, you're in this kind of very touristy sort of shop, you know, like or. or You've played there before, where they've got like Dale Chihuly. Yeah, I have. Yeah, we were there. We were there. Been there. Uh, we've been there before, and and Dale Chihuly stuff and stuff like that. But then on the other end, they put on these concerts for the, you know, for the city, for you know, for something to do for people. Can you speak up just a tiny bit more there, Ao Chad? I will. Yeah, I am. Yeah, we sure. want to hear your voice. We want to hear recollections and reconnoitions on CITR six zero four. 822-8648 to donate to CITR Radio is Nardwarty Human Serviette here speaking to Aaron Chapman, A.O. Chapman from the Town Pants playing tonight at the Commodore Ballroom. A.O. Chapman also was a former CITR promotions manager and you may have seen A.O. Chapman's artwork on a CITR sticker. That's right. Can you describe the CITR sticker it to the people that haven't seen it before? Because it's sort of a legendary CITR sticker. It's no longer in a kind of existence anymore but it's a no. really cool CITR sticker. It was a uh it was. It's a, a picture of a guy of a, with a very big head, uh, like a huge beach ball-sized head, and these crazy eyes, and he's sort of speaking into a microphone. And I had a dream about this character, and I kind of got up and I drew it with, uh, you know, cheap uh, sort of ballpoint pen, and then uh, brought it in, and everybody kind of dug it. But that sticker and that fridge magnet, it was also a fridge magnet as well. I've been to people's houses in Vancouver, all still I see that thing around, people who got it still own it and it's proudly sitting on so you might recognize it to see it uh, I don't think there's any pictures of it online you could look at to, you know or anything like that but those those who do have it are, are lucky people in Vancouver you hitched aboard the CITR bandwagon you got quite it. early there A.O. Chapman and next thing you know you're on tour playing the Corning Museum <laughs> of Glass Corningware Tucker you got it Corningware cookware can do yeah. it. Do it. Wasn't there like a song? Remember? Uh, Corningware cookware can do it. So you can maybe learn that song. <laughs> and looking at your tour dates some more, aside from playing tonight, the Commodore Ballroom, A.O. Chapman, the Irish Fest you're playing. Oh, in, in Dallas, Texas. In Dallas, Texas, yes. you're playing the Irish Fest. Then you're also playing Syracuse Irish Fest. Yeah, then you're of... also playing a Buffalo Irish Fest. A then of... a Newport Irish Fest. Well, all the all the Scottish people moved to Canada when they immigrated, and all the Irish went to the United States. So they have all these festivals down there, and they have bands like sort of Dropkick Murphys type bands, or Flog and Molly type bands, or Pogues type bands, or bands like the Town Pants, playing at these places and stuff like that. And it's a it's, people get into it. It's, it's fun to it's fun to be at. And you're keeping the Pooza name alive. And the reason I mentioned you got it, it. Lollapalooza took a few years off, but you've kept that name going. Like, Perry Farrell should give you some kickback, because you've kept that name out there, haven't you, to Lollapalooza? Because you've been using this Pooza name. Like, kids for a while probably wondered what the El Palooza was, but you kept that name alive. Gotta keep it going. And it's, I, it's great fun. And it's Booza Palooza you're putting on. That's the night of the Commodore Ballroom, that's right. And I loved you have an ad on YouTube for it, and you used the same ad for Booza Palooza 2 as you do for Booza Palooza 3. <laughs> well, we had to, uh, we, we didn't, the footage that we were supposed to use got, uh, it didn't work. It was there was there was a problems with the edits and stuff like that. It's too too boring and technical. So we just thought, you know what? We're just going to put new titles and people get the idea. And it's mostly footage of us playing at a at a Commodore show from before anyway. So um, people get the idea and people know people know who Rich Hope is. He's great in town. Anybody who doesn't hasn't picked up his uh, latest record should get it because it's awesome. And Run GMC are so much fun and so hilarious. And Ao Chapman in that video, you're wearing a white suit, and I. Th- 
think you have your foot on a monitor. Like I saw your foot on a monitor, and that made me think, you know, punk rock. You got and it. that made me think about the band The Nips, a band that you introduced me to. What can I tell the people about you coming out to CITR <laughs> and playing The Nips, and now The Nips did a reunion? I know. Isn't that incredible? The Nips were a great English punk rock band based in London, England, and they are, were only around for a couple of years. But uh, the singer of the Nips was a fellow by the name of Shane McGowan, who went on to more famous success with the Pogues. But, and the Nips only put out, the Nips were the band called the Nipple Erectors, and their names got shortened. But if you've heard the early Nipple Erectors recordings, they are a treat. All the time. All, all the, the time. time. You brought that up the CHL. Time. I love that tune, and they did a reunion. I sent I, you those I, clips. I just found out about that recently. I didn't know about that. And I think, actually, believe it or not, there's a connection between the nipple erectors. We're talking about CITR connections. How, like, Nico Case, who yes. is a friend, of course, of Paul Rigby, because Paul yes. Rigby has done some, has been on all these TV shows, like Jay Leno and Letterman Show, and she was in the shindig battle of the band. Yes, I, I, that's, uh, I met Nico in the, during the CITR years, and then we ended up touring together when she was in Mao, and I was tour managing uh, a Hanson Brothers tour, the Hanson Brothers were no means no guys. And, uh, and, that, and Nico and I got to know each other uh, then. So there's a connection there, and there's also a connection to the Nips, to CITR, and that is, well, there's a few connections, Well, but the main connection is, I think, actually, <clears throat> Sean, who does the show, Caught in the Red, at one time might have uh, dated the bass player. Shan Bradley. Yes. That is incredible. Of the Nips. So we have a CITR direct connection to the Nips. Oh, my God. i got to talk to him about that. And if you want to donate to keep these connections going. Do it. It's you got to do it. I'm going to say, Nardwar, CITR is a great thing. And any, especially if you're like a, a UBC student or you're not, go down there, get involved. You'll make, it'll make your life much more interesting, and you'll meet so many people out of it, and it'll be, you'll have so much fun. I'm telling you, it's one of the best things uh, I did when I was a student at UBC. So, A.O., when I got you on, I thought the phone would light up. It hasn't lit up, <laughs> so I'm going to lower it now. I'm going to lower it now. Instead of having a couple hundred donations, how about this one person donating $60 or $30 or even $10? 604-822-8648. To donate to CITR, you get a CITR shirt. We'll throw in a razor cake fanzine, you get a CITR friends card so you can go to local businesses, show the CITR card and they'll give you something off. Actually, I should mention you don't even really need a CITR friends card if they hear, hear you on CITR you just walk into somewhere and you'll get something for free like you playing in a band. That's cool. For instance you, A.O. Chapman, you walked into a pub and you were playing in your band of town pants up on stage and Iron Maiden jumped up on stage because they liked you, because they yes. saw the CITR on you and now you recorded an Iron Maiden song we for your new CD. What can you tell the people about that? And there's a lot of what can you tell the people about that. You were somewhere We were in Sweden. and yet In Sweden. It's very far away from Iron Maiden. That's right. Yeah, we were in Sweden. We were on tour over there and one of the guys from Iron Maiden was in the audience and we thought we'd go into, uh, we'd go into an Iron Maiden song. He thought it was so funny. He had such a good time that he came up and he played with us. And he came up for a couple songs. Yannick Gers is his name. He always hangs out in Irish pubs. And now you've recorded an Iron Maiden song for your brand new CD. Yes, it's on the new album shortly, which is in finer record stores. Is that the same song you performed with them? Uh, I think we... Did we do that one or Number of the Beast? On a, which sounds even more hilarious on a banjo. Tonight but, you're playing the Commodore Ballroom, and the last time I saw you at the Commodore Ballroom, you were escorting me backstage to interview the band The Horrors. What right. were you doing there? What was your job there? I was the production manager that night. Uh, at the ballroom. I was the production manager on that horror show. 
And does that give you special privileges? Because when I was noticing the footage of Booza Palooza, you work at the Commodore Ballroom, I noticed a lot of people up on stage. Does that mean you're allowed to bring a lot of people up on stage? No, that was just all the people from all the bands up at the end of the night. What is the official line on people on stage at the Commodore Ballroom? They don't really want people on stage, do they? Well, unless it's the Dropkick Murphys coming, and then everybody gets on stage. How does that happen? They have to work a special deal? They just get everybody up there. No, you, ever, you know, you can get up there, and there's just the band wants it. You know, people come on up. 604-822-8648. If you'd like to donate to CITR Radio, or you can donate online at www.citr.ca. That's UBC Unit. And if you want to donate to Aaron Chapman, who we're <laughs> speaking to right now for the Band of Town Pants, go to his gig tonight. At the at Commodore the Ballroom. Com- at the Commodore Ballroom. Now, when you're walking up to the Commodore Ballroom, there's a lot of history. Now, are there really swastikas at the Commodore Ballroom? The Commodore was built by the Riefel family, uh, which were a German family in Vancouver of uh, some renown, and the ancestors of the Riefel family are still around. If you stand back a little bit further, you'll notice there's some tile work on the face of the building. And if you look up in those tiles, there's there's patterns which are, they're swastikas. Now, they're not Nazi swastikas. They're those those point the other way. They're benevolent swastikas, because basically as the smartest intelligent people know that was an image sold that the Nazis stole and, and ruined it, you know, but it was an old symbol that's a very ancient symbol. If you look at the very top of the building, and it was a symbol for a, a positive, it was good luck and whatnot. When it points the other way, it means something else. At the very top of the building in the circles, you'll notice some bricks. And most people don't notice that if you look at the way those bricks are, are, are sticking out of, the, uh, out of the building just slightly on the top circles, it's easier to it's difficult to describe on radio without seeing pictures of the building. You can look up right at the top of the uh, the building at the trellis work, and you'll see you'll see the benevolent benevolent swastikas that are put in by the Riefel family who built the Commodore in the in the late 1920s. So, if we're going to your gig tonight at the Commodore Ballroom there, A.O. Chapman, where do we see this stuff? Like right at the entrance, like the front door where you walk right, in. Right where at the can front you door. Look? If you stand back just on the curb, sort of move away from the building and look up. That's, it's a little more difficult to see uh, at night, but, you know, there'll be street lights and It's a little easier to see in the daytime uh, and whatnot, but you can see them there, and they're, uh, they're there. In your capacity, Aaron Chapman, of escorting people backstage at the Commodore Ballroom, have you come across any touring bands that are excited to actually be playing the Commodore? Because a lot of them think it's just like a House of Blues, because it is owned by House of Blues. I've tried to excite bands like, man, this is where The Clash played their first North American gig, you got and it. they're not too excited. Have you met anybody that's actually excited? Excited to play the Commodore. Like, you appreciate, like, a local band playing the Commodore. But how about for a tour? Have you met anybody who really was stoked about the Commodore history? Oh, yeah, for sure. I know lots of bands that, uh, that come through, new and old. The, the Ting Tings that just came through, they, uh, they'd love to be in here, and they knew about it. Um, some, some bands overseas know the score. Some of them don't. Some of them know the history. Some of them don't. Some Canadian, a lot of the Canadian bands know the room, of course, and they're really familiar with it. But, now, is, uh, is there anything else to look at specifically at Richard's? On, uh, sorry, well, I was going to mention Richard's, but you can't really mention too much there. But I gotta, I, oh, I gotta, I'm getting a sign here, Bernard. I've got to leave in about two minutes here to sound check. Okay, so, well, yeah. I've just got a couple more questions sure, yeah, for yeah. you here. Richards on Richards, A.O. Chapman. Yes. Was it true that there were a lot of Coke straws in the plumbing? There were so many uh, Coke straws being flushed down the toilet in the 1980s. I was told from a reliable source when I did the article uh, uh, online that you can dig out if you probably just Google. Uh, it's on Sean Connor's. Uh, it's on Sean Connor's blog, uh, Internet Magazine, about Richards on Richards. 
if you uh, if you look that up, you'll you'll be able to read it there. I, it, there's a story uh, that has reliable information that the in the 1980s when it was the whole Miami Vice scene there and you know the yuppies snorting coke in the yards, they they were flushing so many coke straws down the toilet they had to call the rotor rotor man every two weeks to clear the plumbing out. A little, a little tidbit provided to you by A.O. Chaman. And winding up, A.O., a couple more quick questions here. Just, you know, to give a little reality check. You also did an article on the Carisdale Arena, where the Clash played. Yes. Where Motorhead played. Yes. But just to do a little reality check, you actually found out the last gig there was EMF? Yes, yeah. The, uh, they did a concert series at the, uh, at the Carisdale Arena up on 41st there in the early 80s for a couple of summers there. And it freaked out the neighborhood so much. Uh, all the old ladies there couldn't uh, t- handle all these Ozzy Osbourne fans and Jam fans and Motorhead fans coming in the neighborhood and leaving empty bottles strewn everywhere that they sort of shut it down. But the, the very people that organized that are some of the people who are still working in the concert industry today uh, in Vancouver. But EMF uh, ended the Carisdale Arena. That's great. Like EMF they the ending last, it. Uh, they were the last band on. Uh, at that uh, at that point, that's right. They were the very last uh, group that performed. Uh, that was years later. That was years later. That was a strange. Uh, that was a strange one where the uh, where the bands played. That those those shows were in the early eighties. No, that you, one was around nineteen eighty eight or eighty nine. Now, A.O. Chapman playing tonight at the Commodore at Ballroom. The Commodore Ballroom. At the Commodore Ballroom. The town the fabulous. Booza, Commodore Ballroom. Booza Palooza. You're also working on a book coming up on Wreck Beach and the Penthouse. Of course, you know, hard research doing something like that for yes. the Penthouse. You've had quite a few tours of the Penthouse because you've written about the Penthouse. What's the back the room Victoria, like? I've written an article. The, yeah. yeah, the back room of the Penthouse. Is there any back room? There, it's a, a cavernous building. There's all sorts of stuff. Like the rooms that you weren't allowed to see. Yeah. Oh, I've got to. I've got to wrap this up very soon, uh, Nardwar. I got to get. I got to get going. Well, I also think it's amazing that you talked about the band Killing Joke staying at the Bosman's Killing Motor Lodge. Killing Joke stayed at the Bosman's Motor Inn, baby. How did you find that out? I found that out from Bev Davies, the one and only. And also, you mentioned Champagne Charlie. Sure, that's uh, that's where the cellar is now. And bef- it got changed to Fred's Uptown Tavern. That's right, Champagne, I, Ch- Champagne Chucks, they used to call it. I love that. And lastly here, the Leg and Boot Square. Leg and Boot Chama. Square. What is that all about? Uh, in the late, uh, late 1880s, they found a leg in a boot uh, down um, in Vancouver, close down by Falls Creek. Uh, which is the first foot that was ever found on the shores of uh, Vancouver. So it was, uh, that was, it's, we've had a long history of feet washing up on our shores. That was the first one. And, and they named a street, a little sort of cul-de-sac down on Falls Creek. It's down by... Uh, 666 Leg and Boot Square. That's the address, 666 Leg and Boot Square. Look it up! Coming up right now, a track by your band, The Town Pants, about Oliver Reed? That's right. Does That's any- right, Oliver Reed, the British actor. And he was a hell of a guy, hell of a drinker, too. Now, did Oliver Reed ever meet Don Rickles? Uh, no, but I did. But you did? Yes. And that's where it just ended, right there. You got it. The Nardwarder Human Serviette Radio Show ends on that little tidbit. And I love also that in your press kit, you know, people are wondering about the town pants tonight at Bal... Ba- at Bo- the fabulous Commodore Ballroom! At Booza Palooza. I love that you have a quote from the Peak News. The pick. The pick is in your press kit. I love hey, you, you got Hey, you got it. I love it. The great people over there. From Whistler, B.C. So coming up right now, the unlikely redemption of Oliver, Oliver Reed, Reed by the Town Pants playing tonight at Booza Palooza. And phone in 604-822-8648 if you'd like to donate. To, why should people donate to CITR Radio there, A.O. Chapman? Last they got to do it. They got to do it. It's a great, uh, it's a great station. And why should people donate? I got I to gotta run. Why should people donate to you tonight? Because they're supporting the local music scene in Vancouver. Get local. 
Throw out all those trashy people magazines and celebrity things. Find out what's happening in your own town. Get involved with CITR. Come and check out some local bands. Even if you don't like this stuff tonight, go to another bar check it out. Come out and see some local music. That's what I'm telling people. That's well, what it's all about. Thanks so much, A.O. Keep on rocking in the free world. And do-do-do-do-do. Do-do. You will find, young man, that the future looks rosier through the bottom of a glass. Yesterday and I'm tying on the vine But another drink for breakfast And I'm feeling fine In life there are no second takes Just an endless matinee And you can't live forever If you haven't lived one day So if you need me I'll be drinking Watching the world spin round and round And if I fall to the floor For me just one more you know every silver lining has a little cloud You see the world for what it is and pour away the shroud I played the fool and broke the rules and let them say their worst Cause I had an angel's face and twice the devil's thirst And if you need me I'll be drinking Watching the world spin round and round And if I fall to the floor pour me just one more Then throw me in the ground God and made no apologies And just left all the reasons to the biographies Why get rid of all your demons, rid of your best part It's so hard to find good help these days, so careful if you start So if you need me, I'll be drinking Watching the world spin round and round And if I fall to the floor, pour me just one more Then throw me in the ground Watching the world spin round and round And if I fall to the floor For me just one more Then throw me in the ground And you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwarda Human Serviette Radio Show. And it was the Town Pants with the unlikely redemption of Oliver Reed by the Town Pants playing tonight at Booza Palooza at the Commodore Ballroom. Today on CITR, on an Nardwarda Human Serviette Radio Show, one number is needed, 604-822-8648. If you're interested in phoning in, please phone in. Again, we're just trying to get a few hundred dollars, a few dollars, a dollar, even maybe centish. If you could just please donate to CITR, it would be wonderful. Because through CITR Radio, you're able to listen to a lot of music that you won't hear anywhere else. And you'll be able to hear some stuff that you hear elsewhere. Like, for instance, coming up right now is an interview that I did with Joan Jett. I actually heard of Joan Jett first when I saw the Michael J. Fox movie, Light of Day, and she was in it and singing a tune on it. So on CITR, we do actually uh, bring you the Michael J. Fox and Joan Jett stuff, too. However, we like to delve deep into perhaps stories that perhaps maybe have not been explored with Joan Jett 
before, i.e. the pea popsicle, which you will be hearing very shortly. Nardwater Human Serviette versus Joan Jett. And when I think of Joan Jett, I actually think of the actress Kristen Stewart, who is part of a Twilight series that just opened up. Of course, Twilight was shot in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Why do I think of Kristen Stewart when I think of Twilight and I think of Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and I think of Joan Jett? Because I was alerted that Kristen Stewart even existed by the fact I did an interview with a guy called Jackson Rathbone who played in a band called The Hundred Monkeys. The Hundred Monkeys were playing in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. It just turned out that Jackson Rathbone was in the movie Twilight, and when I researched a little bit about Jackson Rathbone. I found out about Kristen Stewart and her playing Joan Jett in the upcoming movie about the Runaways. Throw through the Hundred Monkeys and my doing interviews with CITR, I kind of got reacquainted to the Joan Jett legend. I would have never got that interview with the Hundred Monkeys had not I met the people from. Neptune Records in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, who actually are putting on a gig in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Yes, at Neptune Records on Sunday, November the 22nd, Minto and the Schomburg Fair are going to be playing. That's Minto and the Schomburg Fair are going to be playing this Sunday at 3 p.m. at Neptune Records, a free gig. How did I find out about Neptune Records? I found out about Neptune Records because I, Nardwarty Human Serviette, when I came out to CITR Radio, I heard a DJ, Eddie J, playing the song Louie Louie by the band The Wailers from Tacoma, Washington, home of Girl Trouble, home of Nico Case. And I ran up to Ed and I said, where the hell did you get to? He goes, well, I do a show here on CITR. And Ed alerted me to the great world of Northwest Rock. And to find Northwest Rock, where do you find that? But Neptune Records. And Neptune Records introduced me to the 100 Monkeys. And then 100 Monkeys got me thinking about Joan Jett. And coming up right now, an interview with Joan Jett, not Kristen Stewart, but she's portraying Joan Jett in an upcoming Runaways movie. If you'd like to run to the phone right now, it's 604-822-8648 to donate to CITR Radio. Whether it be $60, whether it be $30, whether it be 101.9. That would be amazing if somebody could contribute that. You get a CITR t-shirt, you get a CITR friends card, we'll throw in some razor cake fanzines with some of my writings in there, writings that I gain, honed a craft, and be able to learn stuff more, and Chris Craft are talking there, from Discorder magazine, where I did lots of writings for as well. So when you join CITR, not only can you do a radio show, you can also write for Discorder magazine. So we could use your support 604-822-8648 That's 604-UBC unit today as part of FunDrive. We're at 11,752.90. So we could really use just a tiny little bit to get us close to 12,000 if possible. Please phone in 604-UBC-UNIT. So coming up right now, an interview with Joan Jett that goes all the way back to Neptune Records and CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Possibly, but not likely, the greatest station in the world until, of course, you give your donation. Thank you. Check, check, check. Check, check, check. Check, check, check. That's what you like to say? I don't like to, uh, I don't... Uh, Om Bor Who are you? <laughs> Who am I? I'm Joan Jett. Joan Jett, welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. 
So here you are on the Warp Tour. A couple dates ago, did you play a gig with the Germs, the Germs and Joan Jett together on the Warp Tour? Yes, yes, we did. We weren't on the same stage, but we were, you know, in close proximity. So uh, it was a lot of fun to see him again. And you're in the new Germs movie, too? Well, I, I'm not sure. Well, there's a couple of different movies, so I'm not sure which one. I know that they're doing a documentary, which I recently spoke to, uh, the woman doing it. So, yeah, I'll be in that one, yeah. But you're not in the actual Shane West movie? I personally am not, but I'm not sure if they have someone in there playing me or not. Now, Joan, you produced the germs. Did you really see Lemmy of Motorhead beat up Darby? <laughs> I saw him try, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because Darby came to see us in England, and, uh, you know, he was probably a bit out of it and was just probably jumped on, I think he jumped on stage or something like that, because I don't remember so clearly either, but, uh, and, and Lemmy and some of the boys started beating on him, and I'm like, no, he's a friend of mine, you know, and Kenny Laguna, my uh, songwriting partner, we had to stop, stop the beating. Joan Jett, you have your own record label and you're still kicking and rocking with a brand new band, pretty much brand new to your label, the Eyeliners. Yes, yes, the Eyeliners are from Albuquerque, New Mexico. They're three sisters and they play great sort of uh, hooky punk rock music with uh, great melodies. And you're in your brand new video, spray painting a cop car. Was that a lifelong dream of yours to spray paint a cop car, Joan Jett? <laughs> yeah, that was fun, definitely. Get my licks back, yeah. Joan Jett, on the Warp Tour a couple days ago, there was an all-female rock band called The Randys from L.A. I don't know if you remember them or not. And they said there was a quote coming from you that said, Joan Jett said this, it's all about the blank in rock. Gotta keep the blank in rock. What, what, what are they saying? I wonder what I said. I could have been several different words that I used. But I guess putting any word in there, what do you think, Joan Jett? Gotta keep the blank in rock. It's all about the blank in rock. Is it really, Joan Jett, all about the <coughs> blank in rock? Yeah, you know, it's all about, really, it's about the connection. And part of that connection is, is uh, really guttural and, and um, sexual. And I think that's some of the resistance that people have with women playing rock. Because rock and roll is, is that. It goes right to your crotch. And it should. Joan Jett, you have a new song called Bad Time. Yeah, that's one of the songs on the new, on the new CD, yeah. Did Canada at one time give the Runaways a bad time when you opened up for Rush? Were Rush mean to the Runaways? Well, so I believe some of the guys in, in Rush weren't, weren't really Runaways fans and probably made a few remarks here and there, yeah. Now, why would that happen? Rush, I mean, that's like Canada's national band. Have you seen them since? Do you have any idea why they do that? Can you remember anything about that incident? Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of vague because it was so long ago, but uh, I think one of the guys said something derogatory about us or, you know, standing side stage or something. And, you know, I just was probably very angry at the time, but as I look back on it, you know, you just have to try to take it with a grain of salt and figure he fits into one of the, with the many people that are threatened by women playing rock and roll. And it wasn't about the music. I, maybe maybe the audience liked us better or something. Bev, many people in Canada do love you, especially photographer Bev Davies. She took these shots here, I don't know if you remember, from the Commodore Ballroom in 1980. I don't know if you remember that gig at all. I don't actually, but I remember the time. Now looking closely, what are you wearing? I, 
I don't know what the hell that is. There is something around your neck. Is that a baby pacifier around your neck? Yes, it is. It's a pacifier. And that is sort of um, a remembrance or, or something to signify something that I went through in the runaways. And, and when the runaways went to Scandinavia for the first time, to Sweden, uh, we got off the plane and were greeted by hundreds of beautiful girls, blonde girls, like young teenagers, wearing real pacifiers and sucking on them and saying, can we have your autograph? And we were like totally confused by the whole experience. You know, we had just come from Japan where we were also held in high esteem by all the, all the young girls. And I understood that a little more because Japanese society sort of, you know, women are second class citizens. So the girls were looking at us sort of as empowering them, I suppose. But the whole uh, pacifier thing, I was confused, and I asked someone, and they said it's it's sort of a it's a fad, it's a fashion. So one day I found a silver pacifier in a in a jewelry store, and I just had to get it, and that's what that's about. From Vancouver, 1980, Joan Jett. Yes. Now, another Canadian that loves you is Peaches. Peaches loves you, and you love Peaches, too. Yeah, I think Peaches is great, actually. I, th I think she's a lot of fun. Her music is a lot of fun. And uh, I, I just saw her, actually, play opening for Nine Inch Nails in Milwaukee a couple, couple weeks ago. Joan Jett, Peaches loves feminine body hair. Do you think feminine body hair is underrated? Yeah, I guess it depends on who you ask, definitely. Joan Jett, you also have a song called Fetish. Yes. Now, speaking of fetishes, is it true that the Runaways once made a pee popsicle? Yeah, that is true. I have this quote. We gave one guy who messed with us a popsicle that was 10% lemonade and 90% pee. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't all the runaways. That was actually at my, my party house that we used to keep them there for if we needed them. Then he goes, this tastes like shit. Without missing a beat, Joan Jett said, you're getting close. <laughs> well, I don't know if that was exactly the, uh, the words because I don't, I, I don't remember who would have been there to actually repeat. But that sounds pretty close. So why did he get a pee popsicle? And did a lot of stuff happen? Like, if you mess with the Runaways, you're going to get it. Well, I, I'm not really sure exactly where the pee popsicle thing came from. It was more like revenge on people that would screw with my friends and I. And, uh, and you know, maybe the Runaways, too. Joan Jett, are you ever going to do another rap? Like, you worked with Grandmaster Flash. Is there going to be ever another Joan Jett rap? Never say never. Maybe. Joan Jett, I want to read you a quote from the book The Boy Looked at Johnny. It's by Julie Burchill and Tony Parsons from 1978, and it's all about punk rock. I don't know if you're familiar with this book at all. I am. I am. I know both of them, yeah. It's amazing. Joan Jett is the last rock and roll star as you know it in the world. Never again will glamour, youth, melody, and desperation find their way onto a big-time stage within one teenage body. How can you, you know, how can you even comment on something like that? I think that they're, they're, they were great writers and good friends of mine, and I just feel very humbled by those statements. It's incredible, because they were complete punks. They hated everything American except Joan Jett. Let me continue. After Joan Jett, all Americans are peanuts. <laughs> then they go on to say, Polystyrene of the X-Ray Specs is the best thing about 
British punk rock, while Joan Jett is the best thing about American punk rock. I just, um, I, I'm very uh, grateful. It's incredible. And that is coming in like 1977, 1978, at the height of punk rock. You are held in esteem by these snobby punks. That must have been a great feeling. It sure was. I remember at the time when they wrote that, and it did make me feel very good, definitely. Joan Jett, did you also party on Sid Vicious's houseboat? And did Sid Vicious really have a houseboat? It wasn't Sid's. It was the Runaways. We rented it for uh, a couple of weeks because we were there to make a, a record. And so we were living on the Thames River on a houseboat. And we never made the record because things fell through. So it wound up just sort of being a party boat. And some of the girls would party with their friends, which was more like a, a heavy metal party thing. And my friends were people like Sid and Nancy. Joan Jett, were you really rescued by Manuel Noriega? No. What do you mean? You were in Panama, and you had to be, like, flown out by helicopter by Manuel Noriega. Well, I remember being in Panama, but I don't remember the whole... I, I believe he was a fan, or he wanted, wanted to meet me, or... Can we refresh you? Am I wrecking everything? No, go ahead. Come on over, Kenny Laguna. Kenny, come in. This is... Could you please introduce... Who do we have here, Joan Jett? Yeah, Kenny Laguna is my songwriting partner, and he... <laughs> Good one. He produces all my records, and he's my best friend now for probably 25 years at least. Welcome, Kenny. Thank you. How are you doing? Good. Back to Manuel Noriega. Well, we, uh, we were the first English-speaking band of note ever to go to Panama, even though those guys had that song, Panama. No one ever went. No Australians, no Brits, no Canadians. So we were in there with the first rock and roll band, and uh, Panama as a whole country had uh, bootlegged MTV. So they were all watching MTV, and when Joan got there, it was a huge thing. We did a television show. It was a live television show where we were doing five songs. I'm pretty sure it was a lip sync. By the time we were done, there were so many thousands of kids outside the television studio that a riot ensued. And Noriega's troops did come and settle that down. And it was chaos. We actually lost the guitar player. And, and when Joan and I were escaping in the car, we were escaping. We ran over his foot. And uh, he, we left him behind. <laughs> it was a very interesting thing. But, you know, the Army got everybody out. And then a day went by, and some of the officials came, and they were all nervous, you could see. And they said that Noriega had sent his presidential plane from another city in Panama and wanted Joan to get on that plane and spend the evening at the palace with him. And Joan was like, no way. No I'm way. Not doing An evening at the palace with Noriega. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Doesn't that sound a little, little frightening? Alone. So, but then, remember, Noriega's still running the country, so then the State Department, who watch when you're doing these things, and we were involved with, uh, you know, the American government hooked us up with this, and that Joan actually opened the Panama Canal physically with the big wheel. I mean, we were plugged in but they were all nervous about this because the protocol has to be handled carefully so they worked out something weird and they whisked us out of the country on american military and uh, you know you guys know about the american military right thank you very much for the update kenny always comes through doesn't he joan yeah well he remembers those details they just kind of go joan jet you have a song called change the world Yes, I do. Do you have any tips for winning over an audience? Because in 1982, you played a police picnic in Toronto. Do you remember that? 
A police picnic. It was called the police picnic. I think the police played. And rad. Uh, how could you know all this stuff? You know all these little things. Where do you find all this stuff? Well, at the police picnic, I understand people were throwing hot dog and watermelon rinds at you, Joan, and you were over able to overcome this. How do you win them over? Like you were just going, "How you doing, Toronto?" And by the end, they loved you. You know, I'm not sure. Maybe it's just an ability to take the shots, and so I'm not sure. Sometimes I remember that gig. I remember that gig. See, here's the thing: we we did the tour before Every Breath You Take with the Police, and it was an amazing tour, and we were about equal at that point. And then they put out that record, and we had hits that same year, but they had that monster record, Every Breath You Take, and we started doing stadiums together. So we did two tours in a row with the Police. When we had a show, let's say where the Kinks would be on it, or uh, you know, a good rock and roll band, the Ramones, or something like that, Joan and the Police drew a certain kind of audience that was terrific and compatible. In Toronto that year, they put on like Talking Heads, Flock of Seagulls, and it was all these snobby kind of things going on where they were saying, "Oh, rock and roll isn't good enough for us. We have something else we're doing, whatever they called it." And I know when Joan got on the stage. The sky went black with garbage that they were thrown on the stage, and Joan doesn't really give in that easily. Yeah, well, you know, I've been hit with so many things, and in the Runaways, I've been spit on, and I've been spit, you know, hit with so many things and called so many things. I'm not leaving the stage. Nobody's getting me to leave the stage. Throwing hot dogs, I don't think so. You know, so I think just and even watermelon rinds. How dare they? Well, oh, I, I don't remember. know. There was, a, there was a big sign. I hate rock and roll. You know, yeah, which is like, I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm crushed. You see you what know. Flock of Seagulls looks like today. You see what she looks. I've like? actually interviewed them. Well, you know, they're good guys, I guess. But you know, look what she looks like. No, yeah, but you know, it's it's not even about being personal. It's just like, it's more about standing your ground. And I'm not sure what I've what I would have said on stage because sometimes I, I get. You know, I get antagonistic back at people throwing things because you can get hurt. But you overcame the moment, which I think is amazing. A lot of performers probably would have crumbled, but the reports were that you did it, Joan. You overcame all uh, these yeah, punkers. I'm not sure how I did that. I'm people not going sure. like, how you doing? You kept going, how you doing? How you doing? And by the end, people were totally into it. Maybe, yeah. Well, that's good. Uh, Joan Jett, winding up here, I also want to ask you about Evil Stig. You contributed to the Evil Stig recording, and in the end, that totally helped out. Mia Zapata's murder, a cold case, was actually solved. That must make you feel great. Oh, we were so, all so happy when, when we heard that they caught the killer. But that was uh, a very intense time. It was very moving. It was It was special. It was sad, but it was also exhilarating to be able to do the gits material and be able to sing those songs that Mia sang and made popular with her with her fans and to take it around the country and explain what had happened to people and to be in this band Evil Stig which means gits live that's backwards you know so it, it, I'm, I'm just really honored to have been a part of it I have a song here from a Runaways tribute band called Cherry Bomb, and they actually have one original song called Runaways Rule. The woman, Christine, is from Portland. I think she has a Runaways or Joan Jett tattoo, and these are the lyrics. I just want to quickly run them by you. Runaways Rule. This is their original. Rock and roll rebel with a cherry bomb. All your records are banned by mom. I like that. Joan Jett and the germs, Little Darby. Lita Ford loves big hair and Ozzy. Uh, Cherry Curry was a fox with Jody doing the teenage twist like Boney Maroney. <laughs> Leather latex and lingerie. Runaways, you make my day. I like it. 
because runaways rock, runaways rule, runaways gonna take you back to girl school. Girl school. I knew that one. Yeah, that was a common there. So I guess what I was wondering, what's it like fighting Chuck Norris? Well, you're not gonna win. Really? Yeah. Did you train hard for that? No, well, actually, I think uh, I did... This was a in a movie, in Walker, right? Yes, it was TV. in Walker, Texas, Texas Ranger. And uh, I think they had a st- eventually had a stunt person in there to, to do, you know, the real killing. Honesty is deplorable. Is there any way, perhaps, you might have been trained at all? Because wasn't Lita Ford a fitness instructor at one time? Sheree. Oh, Sherry Curry, okay. But have you ever taken classes from her? Uh, no, I didn't need to. Joan Jett, also winding up here, Lita Ford, did you ever go to her apartment that she shared with Nikki Six in that roach-infested apartment? No. Where no. you, like, I watched cockroaches, like, get burned up? No, I think, you know, we were already broken up by that time, so we weren't hanging out. Joan Jett, the first time you shaved your head, was that for the Rocky Horror Picture Show? No, I actually did it to mark the millennium, to mark the sort of... Uh, change from 1999 to 2000 and sort of kind of take stock of who I am and who we are as humans and so it was just sort of a I don't know a marker or something and then I just decided to keep it because the brand new CD the greatest hits reissue has you with long hair and before it had you with short hair any reason for changing it well I think we wanted to use a picture that people were more familiar with the look of my black hair and the blonde hair a lot of times throws people it was remastered also it was remastered it sounds a million times better now because new technology ensued and the new one has an enhanced element that's terrific so you know we wanted to do something also so that we could see the difference and make sure that the uh, stores weren't selling off the old stuff because we wanted to send it back so that we could give the best one and that's why we changed the cover too and there's Kenny Laguna again to the rescue. I'm excited because Kenny was in the 1910 Fruit Gun Company. Yes, he was. And Tommy James and the Shondells and several others. All that stuff that makes you say bubble. Gum. Now, lastly here, I want to ask you about this book. Are you familiar with this book here at all? The Devil's Disciples. I'm not. The Devil's Disciples, The Truth About Rock. What I would it say? Well, what it says, Joan Jett, is I open it up here. The Devil's Disciples, The Truth About Rock. Very scary, The Devil's Disciples. In 1982, Joan Jett put out a record which included a version on cassette of an old Rolling Stones tune called Star Fucker. With a title like that, she should have known better. But rock stars think they can get away with anything as long as we let them. When the Stones tried to market the same tune, their record label made them change the title to Star Star (laughs) and mumble their way through the offensive lyric, which they did. Joan didn't bother. And boy, was she sorry. When that K-Market chain found out about the song, they refused to handle the product and started shipping back the tapes. Since cassettes now outsell albums, that hurt. Jet manager Kenny Laguna says they lost $225,000 in sales the first two weeks of the boycott. As other retailers heard of K-Mark's action, they also followed suit. And before long, Joan Jett's new album was stalled on the charts and falling. 
the devil's disciple. What's the story behind that? What the hell was going on? How'd you get in this satanic book? That is hysterical. You got me. I don't know how I wound up in there. But... Do you remember any of that, Kenny? Well, I totally remember it because I got yelled at by all the marketing people. But uh, what happened was we went into the... Uh, the artwork gets done ahead of time because that's the longest lead time. And we had finished the artwork. And in those days, if you remember, cassettes would be uneven. So there'd be this long blank thing if one side was longer than another. So we had just enough time blank on side one to stick something in and we looked at what was in the can and we'd done star 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 fucker as a you know a groove because we were playing it live it was a big number for us live and we just recorded it and had it in the can and we're in the mastering room and at the last second we said let's give them some extra music and we thought that was a cool cut we didn't really think the whole thing through and uh when they discovered it remember it was unmarked so that that's the thing that got us in trouble it didn't have a you know any kind of warning for parents so they'd bring it home after having you know i love rock and roll didn't really have any racy lyrics so you know they, they'd get through the whole thing and all of a sudden these parents would be listening to this thing and just freak out just like i did when i had my little kid bought the guns and roses record with them um, you're fucking crazy you know and stuff. but but we did get into a, a big hassle and then john and i spent the next three months going around the country and going to the head offices and apologizing and you know in the end we made some good relationships and in the end you made the book the devil's disciples congratulations yeah i'm proud of that i know that is just totally awesome well thanks so much for your time june jet and kenny laguna i think kenny's also totally amazing not this is the uh, kenny celebrity roast or anything but he got you together with some beach boys Yes. Like, that's not too exciting for you, I don't think, is it? Like, the Beach no, Boys. I, I yeah. definitely enjoyed it. But you sure. got the Beach Boys. Yeah, you were able to fulfill a fantasy yes. to be able to get the Beach Boys on a Joan Jett recording. Thank Where do you, you. get all this stuff? Your research is, is amazing. Where do you get all this stuff? Well, when you guys do so much great music, it's pretty hard to ignore it. Thank you. When you make it to the Devil's Disciples, I really appreciate that. The Beach Boys, Beach Boys moment with Joan was one of the best moments of my life. And one of the really interesting things that happened there was... Darlene Love was on our label on Blackheart Records, and Darlene Love sang the Do Run Run, and He's a Rebel, and Today I Met the Boy I'm Gonna Marry. She's a legendary singer for Phil Spector. So Darlene Love was with us, and she came in, and when, when Carl Wilson, rest his soul, came by, and he said, well, who's gonna be doing these backgrounds with us? I said, well, Darlene Love is there, and he says, Darlene, Darlene sang on all our records. She helped arrange in my room, and Why Do Fools Fall in Love? I'm going, you're kidding. And, and I said, Darlene, you never mentioned it. All she talks about is Tom Jones, you know, because she's from another era. And I said, oh, my God. So then we had Darlene, who was actually on all these original Beach Boy records. And gradually, all the Beach Boys who would never go in the same place together, they all showed up because we only invited one. On Joan Jett's record, Joan Jett, anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? Just that I'm very excited to be here in Canada, and I look forward to doing shows and meeting the audiences and Did you mention the name of our new record sinner it's called sinner so that devil's disciple you know if you don't own this record give up why should people care about joan jett why should people care i'm the wrong person to ask that question why should people care about joan jett kenny no, i can't because talk about i mean it's very hard for me to you know say that joan first of all when she started in the runaways they were doing it in a vacuum there was no model there was nobody to really to, to point to or to compare to they were in a vacuum they took a lot of abuse a lot of hits for the home team and and that's one reason and the other thing is that Joan has never changed her style or her focus to adjust to the, 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 the music world around her she's always been out of style from the get-go and he's managed to have a few hits in spite of it. 
Well, thanks so much, June Jet and Kenny Laguna. Keep on rocking in the free world and do 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 do. Do do 